Yo, what's going on, y'all? It's your boy So So. In case you ain't know, So and welcome back to another dope episode of Sports with So So. Coming to you live, y'all. This week we got the Dolphins starting off their season with a dub. The Hurricanes improved to two and zero before their big game versus Texas A and M. And we're talking Canelo versus Triple G, the trilogy. It's time to take a ride, y'all. Let's go. One and zero, one and zero, baby. Can't beat it. I mean, bro, we're one and zero as yep. a show. Facts, undefeated. Facts. Only fans, go check that out if you haven't already. Right now, comment, yeah. subscribe, like. A lot of good feedback, man. So far, so good. People like the name. Yeah, bro. <laughs> it's quite catchy, right? <laughs> great job with that, man. That was hey, a great idea. Team effort, man. Team effort. <laughs> team effort. Um, yeah, only fans, go check it out. Uh, where we give you the post game uh, reaction uh, immediately after the game. You know, you're not gonna get that. Sunday uh, afternoon quarterback <laughs> like you're going to get from us. So um, lots to talk about with the Dolphins game, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Obviously a good start to the season. Some would say great. Some would say eh. But I overall, I think anytime you get a dub at home to start the season under a new head coach with a lot of new pieces, you got to feel really good about that start. What do you think? Absolutely. I mean, that was my sentiment exactly right there yeah. on OnlyFans, available now <laughs> on YouTube. Um, Shameless plug. Shout out, shout out to Martin, obviously. Dessert. Um, But no, man, I, that, that was the, the overwhelming sentiment on my end was I'm ecstatic that, you know, we won the game. You know, at the end of the day, we ended up with a victory against a division rival. Right. Um, can we nitpick? Can we, you know, judge uh, what we wanted to see differently? Absolutely. You know what yeah. I mean? At the end of the day, there's a lot of question marks still around this team in, in a lot of people's eyes and some of those questions weren't answered necessarily on the Sunday right. but we got the dub and, and it's enough to put the naysayers to bed for right now for another week right you know <laughs> if the, the losses start coming it's a different story, but this week we, we're victors. So. Yeah, you know, and I think that's a regular NFL season, right, for teams that feel that they can contend in the league, right, and, and try to make a playoff push. You you expect more wins than losses, and, and you try to figure out how to get as many dubs as possible. For the Dolphins, yeah, we can nitpick, right, but most importantly, we're 1-0. and Beat the Patriots 20-7. to um, We could have had a shutout. In my opinion, we should have, right? Well, we were the first team last the, uh, since last year to shut out the Patriots in the first half. Um, they, that only happened once to them last year. We're the first team to do it off rip in the, in the season, shut them down. And the one touchdown that they did get on us was like kind of a mistake almost, right? Because we had Jalen Phillips on the outside and he got caught in coverage, didn't know where to be. And the Patriots wide receiver was wide open. All he had to do was pretty much make the catch. And that's how they scored. But overall from the Dolphins, right? We saw really good performances in all three aspects, offensively, defensively and in special teams um we talked about uh how Tua played right um I wasn't in love with it but it was productive it was enough to win the game um defensively we saw them kind of get off to a slow start but really pick it up and turn it on once they did get it going and special teams wise we saw Jason uh, Sanders and the punter his name escapes me right now um both have really good performances, right? Jason Sanders, uh, up and down. Previous year, comes right out the gate, bangs a 49er, 49-yard field goal, bangs a 43-yard field goal. Um, 
really just showing that he's back to his all-pro form that he was at before when we all fell in love with him. And the punter, like I said, man, you know, he really changed that field. Thomas Morstead is our punter? Morstead. Yes, thank you. Um, I knew it started with an M, but I couldn't just yeah, put my finger uh, on it. Thomas Morstead. He used to play for the Saints, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where mm-hmm. I know him from. So now we have a, a, a good guy who can change the level of, um, change the playing field for us and really right. put them in a tough position. Where Drastically, which he did a couple times in that game. Yeah, Where man. we didn't get the, you know, necessarily got the offensive production we were looking for mm-hmm. a little bit in the second half of the game. But, you know, uh, to your point, to your credit, he was able to just reverse the field, just flip the field entirely and pin them inside their own 10. And then now our defense staring them, you know, right down at, at the 10 yard line or, or inside that. And it's like, what are you going to do now? And they couldn't do anything. They, they, they connect a few times uh, to Jacoby Myers. Mac Jones has a connection there with Jacoby Myers. Uh, Damian Harris got a couple of rushing yards and stuff like that. Some real good runs. One guy game. that I, I we got to mention that, you know, this time last year was wearing a Dolphins uniform, but this past game, this past Sunday, he was wearing a Patriots jersey. I didn't really see much from the guy. What did no. you think of Devontae Parker's performance against us? Well, it was interesting, right? Because, like, when the game started, it was when we know as Dolphin fans, whoever Xavier Howard lines up is that's the guy we're taking out of the game. Correct. And he lined up on Devontae Parker. And it and it showed the the awareness, right, of Mike McDaniel and the defensive coordinator to say, you know what? This is the guy we got to take away because these other guys aren't really a threat. If we can take away Devontae Parker and his ability to go over the top, these we're going to force these guys to go short and we'll be able to tackle better, which we did not do at all um, as far as tackling goes. But Xavier Howard showed why he's the best DB in the league, right? Yeah, he got away with a pass interference. Um, I call that veteran like playmanship, right? Where he knows yeah. how to position on himself. On Devontae Parker. On Devontae which Parker. Which led to the early interception, right, for exactly. Javon Holland. Yeah, and, and look, you know, that just shows how aware the defensive unit is, right? And and again, the game planning that was going into it where we knew that we by taking this guy away, we're forcing these guys to go somewhere else where we can take advantage of. Holland looked great on that pick because he was in the right place at at the right exactly where he needed to be in the back of the end zone defending. Yeah, exactly. Right? That's that one-two punch. <clears throat> exactly. And then we knew that Xavier Howard is going to excel whenever he's in a one-on-one matchup with a guy who's not as good as Devontae Parker is. So I felt comfortable in that matchup. And the fact that we shut him down completely felt, me, <laughs> felt even better as a Dolphin fan because we saw how... He was unproductive for us in a lot of games, and it was just nice to see him be unproductive for the Patriots. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't surprised. Let's put it that way. That yeah. Devontae Parker did nothing. pretty much nothing right. to help the Patriots team because we endured that for the last few years. So, yeah, man. <laughs> well, I do want to say one thing, right? Um, we talked about it on the show, right? But I want to hit on this topic again. We really need to see more in the running game, right? We were yeah, promised no a doubt. lot. In the running game, um, we had some key injuries to the offensive line, right? We saw Austin Jackson go down. Um, his Terran, backup. Right, his down. backup went down. Terran Armstead went down for an injury for, for a couple of plays, which was a little scary. Um, those are the things that I look at, and I'm like, shit, man. Th- those are things we're counting on. Uh, I- I'm interested to see what the injury report is going to be as the week progresses, just to see what the status is of these guys. But... It wasn't great. You know, the offensive lineman play was not great. You know, Tua was forced into a lot of pressured situations, right? And even himself, he didn't do well in those pressured situations. There was a couple of times where he got out of the pocket and moved well, was able to find a receiver, and I liked that about that. And even still, he he took his chances down the field where he was making those 20 to 25-yard throws, right? That's how I think he found 
Waddle, even though it wasn't like a huge pass down the field, the fact that he took the snap, stayed in the pocket, let the rush come, and still deliver the throw to get it on the numbers and put Waddle in the position to take off, I like that about him. But yeah. the the scrambling, like the going down and throwing the ball right in front of him to avoid the sack. I mean, but where, where that starts, and, and we talked about this once again on OnlyFans, <laughs> available now on YouTube, uh, it, you know, is the fact that it, he didn't have the time, man. The whole line was not was there. Not you know, there was plays that they, they did well, and they, they blocked, and they did their assignment, which is where Tua was able to step up and make the throws. But, you know, looking at Martin's story today, he posted up a post where Armstead is the only one, like, Holding dominating his <laughs> Yeah, dog, it was hilarious. He's just dominating, like, just straight dogging this dude. Yeah. And the rest of our O-line is the complete opposite. They're just getting dogged by the D-line and getting right Right through them and it's like that is a problem right yeah. there fundamentally that is a problem so and that's on coach mcdaniels bro because that's his specialty that's what he was brought here to do and okay credit to him it's gonna take some time and i heard him in the press conference both after yeah. the game and even today where he addressed it you know he's not shy about saying yeah the o-line needs to you know, work better. Uh, obviously, it's a work in progress. It's going to be like that for the entire season. Every week, they're going to need to get better and, and gel better. But we also need those guys to kind of step up a little bit, right, and and take a, some type of accountability and say, man, you know, I, I, I can do better with this guy next to me. You know, I can trust this guy next to me and, and, and really gel as an offensive unit because without that, there's no way that we're going to get Chase Edmonds 20 carries a game. You know, or even Mozart, those 10 to 15 carries games, which he needs to get to be effective. We saw him in at least in those little amount of carries that he had where he had a couple of runs that looked really promising. Hard runs, but yeah. we were forced explosive. to throw the ball. Right. It looks explosive. Explosive, right. And But then we get away from it and we're forced to throw the ball now because we can't block really to get some type of push on the defensive line. That's that's an area of concern, but overall, the offense still, still did have an ability to move the ball yeah. downfield. I know, like you said, after after they won in the locker room during you know his speech to the, to the team and all that stuff, mm-hmm. he owned up to that. He was like, you know, hey, I know that he's like, I didn't do anything. This was all you guys. First of all, <laughs> right. Second of all, you know, I know that there's still some things that didn't go exactly how we wanted it to, but we got the result we wanted. So they're they're, they're self aware. They know that there's they know exactly what they need to go out there and work on. They probably starting to work on not today because they were off today, but tomorrow. You know what I mean? They're they're going to work on those things leading up to this Sunday's game against the Ravens, which is going to be a real tester considering that they just blew out. I don't even remember who they played, but they just played the Jets. They played the Jets this weekend? Yeah. Oh, I mean, that explains why they blew them out. But, I mean, I guess this goes vice versa for them too. You know, it's not only a truth test for us, but this is a truth test for the Ravens too because we are a squad compared to those sorry-ass Jets. Absolutely. And defensively, we're leagues ahead of the Jets, right? Where we're going to be able to really dominate their ability uh, to to contain Lamar Jackson, right? Like the Jets showed no ability to contain him yesterday, and he was able to move freely. He did back whatever there. he wanted, he did whatever bro. the hell he wanted back there, and that's a shout out to him, right? Because he's yeah. obviously an MVP type player, sick with it when he's back there, and obviously he's has to get a cannon, paid. you know, and he's trying to get paid, so he has a motivation to go out yeah. there and embarrass us, especially. <laughs> being a hometown team, right, where the quarterback position isn't really now sold to the masses, but. It's interesting, right? Because there's some rumors that have us tied to Lamar. Yeah, man. Is that right? Of course, because he's from down here in the 305, right? He played down here, uh, uh, I believe, at Miami Central or something like that. Mm, did he? No, Lamar played at Northwestern, didn't he? Northwestern. That's the one with the blue and yellow. Yes, he played at Northwestern. Yeah, yeah he was a bull. So he's a local kid, bro. Grew up probably a Dolphins fan. You know, probably went to a bunch of Dolphins games with his family and shit. 
And of course, when you have Tool, right, and all the controversy surrounding him and how good the investment has been on the Dolphins, maybe we are a quarterback away. I'm not saying that it's not Tua, but maybe we, the team is is just a quarterback away, right? Where if Tua pops off this year, then it becomes an interesting topic in the offseason, right? We're like, damn, do we stay with Tua and the promise of that he showed this year because he got us into the playoffs? Or do we sell his, sell him while his stock is high? Or do we sell him while his stock is high and go hire the, the MVP type player yeah. and, and possibly make a Super Bowl run? Who knows? But at this point, right now, week one, you got to be happy. Yeah. You got to know that it wasn't a great start, right? It was a real good start to the season. We got the dub. That's what mattered the most. And more importantly, I liked how the team and the organization got behind Mike McDaniels. They obviously gave him the game ball. Um, they gave him that little Gatorade shower and shit for his first win as an NFL head coach. But you can just tell that the commitment is there from the guys, right? A lot of the guys really yeah. believe in him, and they follow him. Even though he's young and this is his first head coaching job, they know that he knows his stuff. Um, the way that he attacked the Patriots shows that uh, he knows his stuff because, like I said— we were really explosive offensively. Tyreek was open a bunch of times. Waddle was open a bunch of times. Um, we saw Moser and Chase Edwards get into into the game and really make effective plays. Had the quarterback play been a little bit better, who knows? Tua probably has over 300 yards. He ended up with 270, right? My counter to that is had the offensive line played a little bit better. He probably has over 300 yards. You know? You know? And more has a little bit backs. more time and can find his guys. Yeah. There's no issue of him going through his progressions. He can definitely nope. do that, but nope. it's just buying that time. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yep. Uh, let's look ahead, right, to next week where we're going to be playing the Baltimore Ravens. Is that, that game at home or is it away? I think it's away, right? Yeah, it's an away game. It's an away game for the Dolphins, but uh, it's going to be tough. Uh, the Ravens, I will say this, the Ravens running game did not look good this weekend against the Jets, right? J.K. Dobbins did not play. They held him out with uh, just concerns over the injury and him coming back too soon and making sure that they take their time with him. They obviously didn't need him to beat the Jets, <laughs> right? You don't need that much. I think you and I and our flag fo- ex-flag football team could go out there and beat the Jets. I don't know about that, though. Maybe, that maybe. Team, that we're team a quarterback its, away from a Super Bowl. That team had its own problems. Joel, we're a quarterback away from a Super Bowl. Yeah, but it's a lot tougher to find a good flag football QB than it is to find another. NFL There's no QB. doubt about that, man. You can find them at 365, though. That's a fact. Yeah, yeah <laughs> That's just, a fact. They're just all on the good teams already. Yeah, so this road game in, in Baltimore, 1 o'clock start on Sunday the offensive line obviously is pretty good in Baltimore. What do you think the key to the game is going to be for the Dolphins? Um, number one, we you touched on it already. We got to contain Lamar. Yeah, we got to we got to pressure Lamar. We got to get to him. Our D line needs to be uh, all over him. We need we didn't really have as many sacks as I, I wanted to have mm-hmm. in this last game against the Patriots. Or considering you know Mac Jones doesn't really scramble. Right. If we have that same trouble against Lamar and he can get around with his speed and use his legs, uh, that's going to be an issue. Um, because he can he can pick us apart if we're you know if we if we do come with the blitz and don't get to him and then he's has outside and somebody has or he has time to throw and somebody's open you know that's how the big bang bang plays develop right yeah uh, so that's number one for me number two uh, is going to be that offensive side of the ball the Ravens are known for defense historically and we need to be able to produce more than one touchdown drive. Especially uh, on offense. On offense. We got we got to, man. So uh, those two things right there, man, I think we do those two things. We can get to Lamar and contain him, right? And also on <laughs> offense, put up more than one touchdown drive. I think that's the key to success right there. Solid, bro. And, uh, yeah, I would agree with those two points. One thing I want to harp on, especially for this game, right, is whether or not J.K. Dobbins play. If he plays, 
that obviously makes their offense a little bit better, right? I agree. Because, but I'm sure that the Baltimore Ravens will still be cautious of how they play him, knowing how ramped up our defense is right now. I really feel confident in our defense to stop their running game or at least limit it better than what we did against the Patriots. There were too many times where I saw either a miss block on the line or a miss block, uh, a miss tackle, excuse me, on the on the defensive line, or as soon as it got to the second level where it was either the linebacker or the safety coming down. Right. We need to clean that up. Yeah. And if we can clean that up, then we'll obviously be able to limit the Baltimore Ravens offense and Lamar Jackson, right? Force him to kind of stand up a little bit more, mm-hmm. maybe not move around so much, and then have a better, you know, be confident in our defensive backs to make a play. Uh, the kid Jones... Looked amazing. Yep. We talked about Xavier Howard being the best DB in the NFL. Uh, Holland making another play yet again. That kid's a stud, bro. Stud. Such, uh, like, such good, like, presence on the field, too. Like, he's all over the play. Any play, any big play that the Dolphins have, he's in the vicinity. He's always aware, dude. Either not having a direct impact, but maybe, like, an indirect. Like, he's doing something that's helping set it up, or, like, he's he's just really good, man. That kid, I'm glad we got him. He, he's a beast, man. And we saw the emergence, right, of another defensive back who's taking advantage of the time. Um, we talked about it on the show. But... Kadir Kahu really stepped up, had big plays, had some big tackles, had some big defensive plays, especially against a tight end. Hunter Henry, who had a good game for the Patriots, right? If he can step up and be a consistent contributor on defense, I think that helps, like, close the gap of the field as far as, like, Lamar Jackson's options of who to attack. You know what I mean? Because obviously he's not going to go at Xavier too many times. He's going to have to try him, but not a, not as much. Because Nick Needham did his best, but... Yeah, Needham can be a little suspect sometimes, man. You know what I mean? Yeah, so we've seen, we, we've seen we him saw him beat. get beat. We had some injury, or not some injury, some concerns about him in the preseason. Right. So so that's my thing, right? If we can get that defensive line lined up, especially on the DB side... Man, that that really bodes well for our chances. Oh yeah, and yeah, just to double up on the offense for the Dolphins, well, we need Tua to to step up and the offensive line to step up. Or we're gonna need it, man. We're gonna have to, you know, we're, we're gonna have. We also have to outcoach, right? Mike, yeah. Mike McDaniel has to do his part as well and outcoach Harbaugh, who's a who's a formidable coach, right? He, yeah, this guy's a Super Bowl winning coach. You know, he's been in Baltimore for. 35 going years. down as a Baltimore. I legend. mean, yeah, dude. I mean, this guy, I don't, I don't even know what else to say about him except that he's a great coach. Yeah. And so McDaniel needs to do his part. But to, so the, these next three weeks, still tough. Is, these are brutal, man. We got, if, we, if we get through the Ravens, which I have confidence that we can and we will get through these Ravens mm, early on the road. Okay. okay? On the road. It's going to be a gritty win, but I think I think the Dolphins pull out like a 24-21 or 24-23-20 you know, victory, something within three okay. points, something last minute. We set up a drive. Jason Sanders wins it for us. I love That's it. kind of what I'm, what I'm predicting. Um, but we also have, after that, we come back home and we have to play the Buffalo Bills, which yeah. we've said on the show multiple times. We That's are the aware target. the division runs through Buffalo at the current time. Correct. That could change, but right now it runs through Buffalo. And then after that, we got to go back on the road and play the – Cincinnati Bengals. Well, I'll tell you this, Joel. If if we can make it through Baltimore and get a dub, because I think that we can beat Baltimore, right? I, I have it a little bit closer, like a game 20 to 14, 20 to 17, something like that. Only in the sense because I, I really rely on our defense. And I know that our defense is going to be able to make a turnover and make a big play at some point that can help swing the momentum in our direction. 
if we do beat them, when we do beat the Baltimore Ravens, it will say a lot about Mike McDaniels, man, because we saw his aggressive play calling. We saw his aggressive mood towards fourth downs, right? And, and saying, yeah, I trust in my offense. I trust in my quarterback, and we can get it. If we can keep that energy rolling into Baltimore, I don't think Baltimore's defense has, is as good as it was before, right, as it was known to be. So there is definitely opportunities there. I have us winning, like I said, 20-17 to 17 and starting the season 2-0. Yeah. Because, yeah, the, the Lamar Jackson looked really scary on Sunday. But we got to take into, you know, into consideration who he's playing. He's playing the Jets, you know. And we're not the Jets. This defense that's, is way that's better. That's damn right. You know. So, two two victories, <laughs> you know, predictions right here. I like it, yeah, man. I like, I like it, it, man. And uh, make sure, tune in to OnlyFans. Yeah, Sundays. we're going to give you that. Well, we're going well, to get together on Sundays right after the game, and then we're going to put it out for you guys Monday so you have something to listen to while you're on the way to work or watch if you like to watch YouTube videos while you're driving, which we don't condone or of course you not. Know, advocate and that. We don't, but. Right, and we don't condone gambling or anything like that. But yeah. if you had to pick the game to bet this week, I would bet on the Dolphins. Absolutely. Um, coming in as a three-point underdog favorite to start the week, uh, you could probably get good odds right there um, at your favorite betting site, but I really feel that the Dolphins can keep it close if not win this game, man. So, good bet to take. Legal disclosure, if you are addicted to gambling, please call 1-800-GAMBLER. That's a great one. Now that we got that out of the way, let's talk some other Miami football, dog. Yes, sir. Because this week, the Miami Hurricanes played Frank Gore Jr.'s team, Southern Missouri. Yeah. Which that kid looked good, too, man. He looked good, man. I like him. He should be be in a Canes uniform, in my opinion. But the Hurricanes come up with a win. Even though the beginning of the game was off to a rocky start, they didn't really come out the same way that they did the first week against, um, I, I can't even remember who we played first week. Bethune Cookman. Bethune, there we go. Um, you know, they didn't, didn't come out as hot, but they were able to turn around in the second half and ultimately come away with the victory against Southern Missouri. <laughs> yeah. Um, this week they looked kind of lackluster in the first half, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. They kind of look like Cluster in the first half, but then second half started and they got it. They got it turned up, right? Um, obviously, Crystal Ball had a message to the players in the as at halftime to let them know, like this: you guys are not playing Miami football. You guys are not playing Miami football. Uh, TVD didn't look that great. The running game was really non-existent, and it, even though uh, they scored first, right, they were able to connect on a thirty-two yard pass for the for the lead. Hurricanes kind of bounced right back, you know. Um, we were up 3-0, right? We got kind of stopped on our first drive. We ended up for ended up settling for a few goals, and then they came in, scored 7-3. And kind of right before the half, we took another touchdown to go up 10-7. And I feel like with that touchdown, they kind of woke up. you know. And, and by they, I mean the coaching staff and the players. Because I was hearing a lot about, you know, I, I was reading a lot about how the Canes players were kind of overlooking this game. Right, because they were looking towards the Texas A&M game, knowing that they're a ranked opponent, knowing that this Hurricanes season can really take off if they were able to beat that team. Right, um, so they were kind of overlooking Southern Miss, and Southern Miss was not going to back down, you know. And so at halftime, we needed a turnaround, and we got it in the running game. Um, who scored the first touchdown coming out of the half for the Dolphins for the Hurricanes? Um, I don't, I don't have it by by quarter broken down. But if it was Henry Parrish or Thaddeus Franklin, or was it a receiver? No, Thaddeus, it was Franklin. It was Franklin. Yeah, on All a right. seven yard run where we, again, yeah. right out the gates, drive it down the field, and punch it in, right? Miami style football. Get up, power football, punch it in. Yep. 
And then we got another touchdown. Um, Henry Paris Jr. had one, which I'm looking in at. In the beginning, in, in both, the first half, yeah. Both of them, that's back-to-back. I mean, first week they both had rushing touchdowns. One of them had multiple. And now they they got rushing. They got in the end zone again. Well, yeah, well, that's the commitment, right, to the running game, where you have these guys really trying to take advantage of getting opportunities to run the ball, right? Parrish got 23 carries, 109 yards. Wasn't great, but still good to get that many carries in the game. Um, Franklin Jr., 12 carries. Are you looking at the wrong stats? No, I'm, I, I don't know. I don't know which one of us stats is wrong. Yeah. I got Parrish with 21 carries and 97 yards and a touchdown. ESPN has him 23 carries. Yeah. Yep. So, if you think about it, <clears throat> it's still a commitment to the running game, which we didn't see in the Dolphins game, you know, which which shows right. that, that Ball knows that he has to force feed the, the running game in order to help Tyler Van Dyke. Um, but let me ask you this, now that you mentioned Tyler Van Dyke. Are there any concerns after a performance like the one that he had in this game? 20 for 29, 253 yards, one touchdown and one interception? A little bit. A little bit because I was kind of, again, I feel like these guys were were overlooking their opponent, not really trying to push them down the field. One of the touchdowns that we scored were on, were on a flea flicker, bro. You know, I, I saw that, yeah. Like, yeah, we're pulling out trick plays against Southern Miss. That's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about where – you guys aren't doing a good enough job of running the plays that you're supposed to run, right, in order to get yourselves into the game, that you have to resort to saying, ah, let's try a trick play to see if we can throw them off kilter. It worked, all right? Ultimately, we kept the ball rolling. We were able to keep scoring. But <clears throat> I didn't feel like that was the best that the offense could have looked, you know? And funny enough, I say all of that, and they still won the game 30-7, to right? Ended up dominating the second half completely. But you look at their next opponent, Texas A&M, they end up losing to Appalachian State. Wild. Wild. Huge upset. There's on a the bunch road. of upsets in college football this a week. Bunch, a Actually, bunch. Actually, NFL Week 1, there was a bunch of upsets. We saw well. a lot of missed field goals and yep. stuff like that. Yep, it was wild. But, yeah, that that, Appala- that App State against Texas A&M at A&M. And they got paid, like, $1.5 million to, to go, go out there, there and win. Yeah, so, mm. like. Not a bad deal. Not a bad deal at all, right? And <clears throat> to go out there and lose in the manner that they did. I feel like now is the opportunity for the Hurricanes to be licking the chops and say, you know what, we got to get these guys while they're wounded. But that's right? not the case because we're not favored in this game. Nope. Hurricanes are a six-point underdog. It's crazy to me. And I get it. <clears throat> Excuse me. First-year head coach and crystal ball. Uh, we got uh, new offensive weapons on the outside with receivers, right? We have some guys coming back from injuries in the running back department. The offensive line isn't 100% settled. But – Defensively, we have really good playmakers, and we have one of the nation's best, if not the nation's best quarterback in Tyler Van Dyke, right? So I don't think that the that should be such a big spread. I Again, I hope that motivates the Canes because they know that at this very moment, at, at least equally as far as what we've seen between two weeks, the Hurricanes are probably looking like a better football team right now than Texas A&M. You know, and just in, in, in last in the last couple of years, bro, we would have lost those games to to Southern Miss, right? Where we're struggling, we can't get anything going offensively, and then next thing you know, they score a touchdown and another touchdown, and now we're trying to go five wide receiver set. But we found ways to win those games due right. to coaching and due to having a, a a good quarterback and a good running game. Texas A and M man better be careful because the, the the Hurricanes really know 
how they're supposed to be playing. I felt like these two weeks were really good training grounds for them to get settled into their game plan, to get settled into their positions, to get settled into their rotations. And now they're going to have to put it all together to ultimately go on the road and beat a team that's going to be ranked close to them. And if that if they're able to beat them, that can potentially push the Kings into a top 10 ranking, man. That's that's huge to be three games in, 3 and 0 and beat already have a a, a win against a, a ranked opponent yeah. so early in the season. <clears throat> well, Texas A&M dropped after that loss. They're ranked 24 right now. That's okay. And the Hurricanes got bumped up actually there at 13. That's okay. You know, and again, and how their favorites just shows you that there's a little bit of a national bias against the Hurricanes. Just a little bit, just right? A tad. Just a, a little bit. That's a pinch. But that's okay. That's okay because at the end of the day, Texas A&M, they're going to have to come out harder to win this game. They're going to have to play the best game of their lives. And if the Hurricanes can match that energy and say, yo, we're coming to your house to kick your ass and we're going to embarrass you twice on national television – then we can go out there and really embarrass them and go out there and put, you know, a good 35, 42 points on these guys. Because, like I said, I trust in Tyler Van Dyke a lot more than I do the Texas A&M quarterback, you know. Just the simple fact that TVD has the hype behind him and he's proven the hype. Could he have played better this game? Absolutely. Yo, but how about this is a 9 o'clock game, son? Yeah, man. Wow. That's like, that's like past prime. Yeah. <laughs> that's past prime time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little late. Well, the, at oh, but first, it, it's Texas. That's it's why Texas. it's eight o'clock over there in Texas. Sorry, yeah, right. So it's, that's why it's a little bit later for us. But we're gonna get lit, but all day, <laughs> you know, all day. Uh, but I just feel like this is a good opportunity right now for the Hurricanes. Dog. Great, it's a great you opportunity. You, they should be licking their chops, man. I, I really feel like Mario Cristobal and company are gonna go after it, you know, and, and and look to make a statement early on in the season. I got these guys winning, like I said, thirty-five to yeah. 21, 42 to twenty-one, something like that. Um, we're going to see these two running backs, uh, Parrish and Franklin, have a freaking field day against these guys. And TVD probably going under over 300 yards yet again. Needs it. Yeah, needs it. Well, he'll do it. Needs he'll to do be, it. Needs to be that. And, uh, well, I mean, they just got to, I think they got to stick to that run game, man. I think that run game is where, where they excel. So if they can establish a good run game, it'll be, it'll be open season for, for TVD and his receivers. Last week, Restre- bro. Restrepo, I can, I'm telling you right now, Restrepo can have a huge game in this game. Yeah. Talking about like eight catches, 100 yards, and two touchdowns. Look, between the three main running backs that we have, we have 41 carries. Um, Parrish Jr. with 23, Franklin Jr. with 12, right? That's 35. And then another six for James Knight. Jalen Knight. Jalen Knight. Yeah. 41 carries. That's really good. That's a commitment. That's controlling the clock. That's keeping those guys, uh, that defense on the field and burning their energy, you know, and keeping the offense on the sideline. That's how Hurricanes are going to be looking to win games. So shout out to Steve and my new uh, Hurricanes book back back there. Uh, Empire, baby. Go get that. It. Go get whatever whatever you need to look fresh. All that fresh gear is available at Empire. So, you know, he had to hook up your boy so, and I'm rocking that LP right now. So, um, man. Let's uh let's kind of head towards the end of pivot. the show. We're, we're gonna, gonna pivot. We're gonna pivot here, and we're gonna talk trilogy. You know, we got a big trilogy coming up this weekend in boxing. Uh, Canelo Alvarez versus uh, Gennady Golovkin, Triple, Triple G, G. Um, for the, short. The trilogy, which right now officially it's two zero Canelo, but I think unofficially everybody in the boxing world sees it as one one. Right where Triple G really walked away with that first win uh that first fight that they had and then obviously in the second fight you know canelo just showed how dominant he can be when he has time to prepare uh this fight is going to be interesting this weekend man because 
Canelo right now isn't at the number one ranking for pound for pound fighter. He's gonna need an impressive performance, and I don't know if he can knock out a willing forty year old Triple G. Real quick, who's number one pound for pound? I think they have Terence Crawford up right now. If you look at ESPN's um boxing rankings, I think either uh, yeah, it's, it has to be Terence Crawford, bro. He had a great victory uh, earlier on uh, this year. I feel like Errol Spence has a legit claim to be in top three. If we're talking about pound for pound fighters, how could you not talk about Tyson Fury and being the heavyweight yeah, champ of Ty- the world? Tyson, I just found real quick. I found Tyson. You know, so th- those are guys that have been a little bit more active than Canelo, right? As far as name or strength of opponent, you know, we saw Canelo fight another guy and he just beat the crap out of him. That's cool, but fans wanted to see this fight take place a little bit earlier. You know, a few years back. Now that Golovkin's forty. You know, and Canelo's in his prime or ending of his prime, right, so to speak. Oh, no, Canelo, I'm looking at one ranking. Canelo's number one. Still? It says Canelo and then Crawford's two. Yeah, you see, I don't really have Canelo number Earl, one right Earl now. Spence at four, Tyson Fury at five. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I guess. But Canelo, <clears throat> not to say that he hasn't fought the big names, right? But he just came off a loss where he was going up and, and trying to take that advantage of, you know. Oh, wait. Yeah, man, I'm telling you, man. Who's this guy? Usyk, yeah, they put him no, at number no, one. No. Crawford number. Wow, this I is, told this you is, this is the most recent one. Results are through August twenty fourth. Punk, Terence Crawford <laughs> number one, like you said. Nayoya Inoue, yeah, the bantamweight fight or something like that. Bantamweight, yep. yeah. Uh, Earl Spence number three, and then go. Usyk number four, and then that. Canelo's five. There you go. Wild. But a lot of those guys have been active, man. Yeah. Look, that guy in, num- yeah. in the number two spot, he fought three times this year or twice this year already, you know? And, and he's fighting guys who are coming after his belt. He's not fighting like a bum or nothing like that. He's fighting guys who are number one contenders in his division, number two contenders in his division, former champions in, in that division. Uh, we saw how impressive Crawford looked. We know how good Spence is. Fury is dominating a heavyweight division. Yeah, Usyk is up there right now because he just had two really impressive victories over Anthony Joshua. But... You know, Canelo has to be a little bit more active with the guys that he's fighting. He could have fought one of the Charlo brothers a long time ago. He could have fought Triple G a long time ago. Like, it may not be the guy who's holding the belt, but it's the guys that the fans want to see or that the boxing world wants to see. And you, as a as the number one draw, I feel like sometimes you owe it to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have the right to do what you want to do, right? You're right. the champ, and you're the champ on different levels, bro. Yeah. And nobody can touch what you've done in this in this boxing game right now. But I just but feel like gotta Canelo be smarter about the fights you yeah. go with, right? Yeah. I mean, but I guess this is probably he's contractually obligated, right? Probably because of that huge zone deal that he has and all that. He has well, he got fights. out of that. He got out of that, and they came to oh, like some he? type okay. of agreement where it, you know he'll work. Through the production, through the zone, right? To have the fights um, on that channel or whatnot, right? It won't be like ESPN or like another paper. Right, right, right. So they were able to work out a deal that way. But yeah, he needs to put on good shows. Yeah, and then, I mean, fighting against a 40-year-old Triple G. No offense to Triple G, one of the, one of the greats. But, I mean, at this point, you know, Canelo's 32, dog. You're, you're not getting any younger. Like, you need to be... You need to be fighting the best right now. Boy, the best <laughs> fight of your life has to be this Saturday. Yeah. The best fight of Triple G's life has to be this Saturday. because Triple G or Canelo? No, Triple G in order to beat Canelo. Like, Canelo, I feel like Canelo could beat Triple G at 80%. And that's no diss. It's just an age factor, conditioning factor, uh, an active factor, right? Like, What do you, uh, do you see this going the distance at all? Um, I do. It has a bigger chance of going the distance. If Canelo wins, it's going to be by TKO, and it'll be something in like the 8th to 10th round, 
right? Where he takes him into the, he kind of plays with him in the beginning, starts to hurt him in the fourth, six, fourth through sixth round, and then turns it up and, and tries to put him away once he knows that he has him gassed out and he can't really defend himself. But for Triple G, if he's really conditioned enough to go those 12 rounds against uh, Canelo, then he has a shot. But like I said, he's going to have to have the best fight of his life because he needs to be 100% in order to beat Canelo. <clears throat> You're not going to beat Canelo fighting 80% like Canelo can beat you fighting 80%. You know what I mean? Yeah. So for Triple G, it's a big hurdle. Obviously, it has a lot to do for his legacy. The fact that he's already lost twice to Canelo, even though one of them was controversial, you still have two losses against Canelo. Now you're fighting him for the third time. People want to see you win, bro. People yep. want to see you go out there and put up a performance and not just show up and be a body bag. I don't think that's going to happen, though. I don't know if I don't he think has enough. Be a body bag. I just don't think he has enough to, to beat Canelo. Yeah. You know, I, that's why I said, like, Canelo probably wins by in by TKO in the 8th to 10th round, but it wouldn't surprise me if it went 12 rounds. If, if Triple G's on his shit. Sure. You know, if Triple G's on his shit, he can put on a show. We've seen it a bunch of times. You know, we've seen it a bunch of times, man. Um, real quick, did you watch any of the UFC this yeah, weekend? Yeah, dog. I, I mean, I wanted to talk to you about it. What do you think of the card? How they had to shuffle all, all that shit? I didn't see all the fights, but yeah, there was a lot of drama behind UFC 279, was it? Yeah. Um, where, you know, Nate Diaz was supposed to fight Hamzat uh, Kiemev, who's eight pounds one, of the, weight, one of the hottest fighters right now in the UFC, one of the baddest Yep. You know, motherfuckers in the UFC Facts. right now, and uh, there was there was some issues backstage. Canceled the presser yeah, right before wild. the weigh-ins even, um, and everything got shut down. First time in the UFC history where that happens because there was a scuffle backstage between Hamzat's team and and uh, Kevin Holland's team, and those dudes weren't even fighting each other. They weren't. And then <laughs> what ended up happening was Hamzat came in overweight, like you just said, seven and a half, eight pounds overweight, which is really wild because he's so active that he usually stays in his fighting weight you know what i mean yep well he didn't do enough to cut so he <laughs> needs to get a new team because yeah they didn't do their job and i'm sure that cost him some money and and hell yeah i mean it cost him time i mean you're training for his camp against nate diaz this is a big name fight you know nate is a big draw and you want to go in there and destroy a guy like nate diaz to really you know put your exclamation point on your name um and he didn't get that opportunity because they shuffled the fights and then we had a tony ferguson you know late entry that well he was up. gonna fight that night I think he was scheduled to fight Holland. No. No, he was scheduled to fight G, uh, Lee Ji Yang or something like that, right? Or it might have been Holland, I think. But it ended up being that Hamza ended up fighting Holland. Right. We and had the, and Nate then, Diaz versus Tony Ferguson. And then we had Nate Diaz versus Tony Ferguson as the the, the main event. Yeah. And, uh, you know, shout out to Nate Diaz, bro. A legend in that game. A legend. Absolute legend in that game. So man. before we get into the Nate Diaz fight, which was the main event, Going into the the Hamza, yes, uh, with the way Kevin Holland, no, 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 going to that fight, the Hamza and Kevin Holland fight. Hamza wins; he ends up winning uh, in the first round, choking him out, choking him out, but he wins it by submission and just continues, you know, the the steamroll guys. I mean, yeah, he just picks up where he leaves off and fights. It doesn't matter who you're seeing in front of him. Nate Diaz would have been different, you know. I think it would have been a different story. We know Nate has Stockton kid, yeah, one of the, (laughs) but he has one of the craziest chins in in the fight game, and like he just don't, he don't give a fuck. Like he just will keep coming. Like you can be not knocking out Nate Diaz, yeah, dog. That's my thing. So it would (laughs) have been interesting to see that, Um, but we didn't get that chance. Um, But another impressive performance by Hamza, you know, when it was all said and done. Yeah, and and even after the fight, he said. He's like, look, I'm here to fight. You know, I'm here to take everybody out, and I want to keep fighting. Uh, me w- missing, missing weight is on me and my team. 
That shit's not going to happen again, but I'm here to fight. And he made another performance because Kevin Holland ain't no joke. He had come off back-to-back really good wins. And obviously, he's a big dude, a really good fighter. And he got owned, owned by Ham, uh, uh, Hamza. Um, it's a tough one to say. Hamza. There's a K and an H and yeah, man yeah, stuff yeah. and a Z. It's a lot. It's a lot going on. But he got straight up owned. And, and especially for all the shit had happened leading up to the fight with the stuff backstage and them talking crap to each other. For again to get owned by a guy who you're having beef with, that's like the ultimate like smackdown, and that just showed that Hamza is above not only talking the smack but delivering on the smack. You know what I mean? So that was super impressive to to see him take care of Holland like yeah, that. Yeah, and I and I I really didn't see uh, that going any other way at that point. Honestly, yeah, and with um, and just to I, honestly, I had Hamza beating beating Nate Diaz if that was going to be the fight. Honestly, I don't know. I did, I did because of the fact that like this that guy that guy's on another level right now, man. Well, he, well let's talk about Nate Diaz and and, and, yeah. and his win, right? So he had he had Ferguson, and when I saw that, I was like, Tony Ferguson has no shot. How no how shot. funny is that work, right? Yeah, that I like I just by like by like fifty one percent, you know what I mean? Like one more percent is how I went with Hamza over Nate Diaz. But then when it was script, flipped the script and it was Nate Diaz versus Tony Ferguson, I'm like, bro, that's like ninety ten. I'll give Ferguson ten percent. The man took a whole round off. He yeah, took a dog. whole round yeah. off in that fight. That's Literally walked around, talked. Disrespectful as fuck, dog. You know, dog, Stockton. You don't play that <laughs> shit. He's a real fighter. You know what I'm saying? Yep. He's a real dude. He really believes in that shit that he says. Yep. And he showed it. And, and I don't think he would have he would have lost to Hamza like that. Because his ground game, is his jiu-jitsu is like... Very, very underrated. People just think that he's a brawler and stuff like right, that. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, right. This guy's like a six-time black belt can choke out anybody. Right. And he had, and that's how he beat Tony Ferguson, choking him out, celebrating while he's choking him out. That Come was, on, dog. That's the that second time he does that. Typical Nate Diaz, dog. Come that's why on, people dog. love him. That's why he's such a legend, bro. So I really was excited to see that fight. It's crazy that George Masvidal beat him, dog. Yeah, dog. Yeah, man. If you think a, about it, if brawl. you think about what happened after that fight. In a brawl. That's his last win. Yeah. That's Masvidal's last win in the UFC. Notable win. At that, you know, a notable win. But Nate Diaz, man, I, I hope that he makes a return one day soon to the UFC. I got yeah, a little backstory. I don't know if you saw this clip. The post-fight the post interview? No, with um, the XMMA dude, uh, Joe Rogan's boy, Shab. Brendan Schaub. Brendan Schaub. He had a little insight as to why the UFC and Oh, because he, he put on his whole, his whole team. Where he was trying to put on his whole team. And he's like, yeah, I'll re-sign with the UFC, but you got to sign my guys because yeah, my guys are ready to ten, fight. 10 fighters in it. Yeah, and that's Brendan Schaub. You can look him up. Ex-UFC fighter. Has his own show, podcast, all that stuff. Another but example. Really good take. Really good insight into into fight world and, and, and that particular one. Basically, Nate Diaz isn't just about that life. Yeah, he he's a he's a good ass dude too. Like he a looks out, dude. he looks out for his people. Bro, he's a real one, dog. To say, yeah, I'm not taking the millions because my dogs need to eat. Yep, these are the guys that I train with. These are the guys that are next in line to be champions in this sport because they have that same level of love and respect for the fighting game like I do. And they're, and they're coming from my house where you know we train nothing but dogs, right? You got his brother there. You got Gilbert uh, Gilbert, uh, Gilbert Mendez in that camp, like. Some killers in there, bro. 
And for him to t- stand up like that and really stand on his principles just shows how real Nate Diaz is and how much of a legend he is, bro. Yeah, and, and, that, and I really feel like the UFC's missing out. No, and he said it in that post. I mean, he made it known in that post-fight interview. You know, he said exactly what he intends to do, which is take time away from the UFC. Right. You know, he, he kind of uh, alluded to maybe going to another organization or partnering with another organization or something of the sort. Uh, but then he also mentioned he would like to come back to the UFC. Of course. Right? So that that's something that I think that we this all want to see. I think he has the most fights in the UFC. Obviously, he's like uh, up there with uh, top submissions, most knockouts. Like he's not getting any younger. Strikes, he's thirty-seven years old, and he's still about it. Him and his brother will fucking step into that octagon, bro, and fuck eighty percent of the roster up right now. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and the other twenty percent is just guys who are really hot right now. Probably current champs, Leon Edwards, uh, Usman, a lot of guys that we know are killers, right? But. Those those Diaz brothers, man, they ain't no joke, and they ain't no joke, man. They ain't no joke. A real dude, real killer, real MMA guy, and he showed it. He showed oh, yeah. it on Saturday night, man. It was impressive. The Mexican car, I, I think, is uh, Stylebender. Yep, two eighty. We're gonna have the homie Jesse on to talk about that. Probably get together to watch it and uh, do our little thing, right, with the MMA show. Gotta do something. Yeah, you know we're gonna do something, bro. Um, but we're definitely gonna be pumping that combat sports because you and I love it. Jesse loves it, and we have such good insight on it. Uh, I feel like there's that growing fan base down here in, in South Florida where people are really turning into more and more MMA, more and more combat sports, man. Yep. I mean, look at BKFC, man. <laughs> Another know, great card this I'm, weekend. I'm waiting. I'm looking forward to them coming back man and yeah. i'm looking forward to seeing bad blake davis fight yeah. again shout out to bad blake if you haven't gone to see that interview just yet go Absolutely. check that out on and youtube sh- and shout out to Brittany hart too i think she just won the the inaugural championship i think in the straw weight division of bare knuckle fighting Brittany hart that, that that lady right there can throw bombs man really skilled for fighter and you you know it's unexpected when you see females in in that sport competing, but when you see the execution that they fight with, man, super impressive. Hell yeah. And like you said, they, it's always a show. People are getting knocked out, and people are getting hurt, and people are getting putting down. So, shout out to BKFC it's just human too, nature, man. Shout bro. out to we Bernie. just love fights, bro. Yeah, like, that's how we are. like now. Like now, I'm getting like more and more like clips, like reels that like, <laughs> just like random brawls in the street, like, and I can't help like anytime I just see like it might be a fight, I'm like oh, I gotta watch. I'm gonna this. watch it. What I are you watching? See what Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, bro, it's just human nature. Like we just got it We want to see it Like as much as like uh, It's like you, you don't condone that Maybe you know hey. That violence It's like You can't help but look at it When it it's going on nature, In front of bro. you That's just human nature And the way that they do They go about it too Right It's not like savagery You know BKFC Boxing MMA These guys are disciplined These guys are working On their craft These guys are in the gym They're they're eating right You know what I mean Like they're staying ready Takes a lot of Dedication it Takes a lot of um, Hard work To be a fighter no oh, matter yeah. what your fighter, your oh, fight yeah. style That's is, it takes a lot. It's bro. a different lifestyle, man. It's not for me. No, no, I'm a lover, not a fighter. It's not for us. It's not for us, man. But you know what time it is, bro. We got to wrap this show up, man. We got to tell the people what time it is. What time is it, dog? It's time to tell a friend. To tell a friend. To tell another friend. To tell one more friend. About this dope-ass podcast that we're bringing you, man. We got the OnlyFans. We got the MMA stuff. We got Miami Golf Bros stuff coming. Shh. That's always that's always a tease. Yeah, right. We're but, working. We're constantly but we're working, working, man, and we're putting out that content that you guys yeah, need. It's and football want. season. Football season's in full swing. Football so, is back. Monday know, night football going down tonight. Yep. That's why. That's the reason for you know the only fans. You know we love our Dolphins. We love to talk about them. The football season is only you know a certain amount of time, and and that's what the only fans is for. So make sure to subscribe to that. Hell subscribe yeah. to Sports with Social on YouTube. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and all that jazz. All that good stuff because we're gonna keep bringing you that content, and until next time y'all peace